clumsy or random as a blast. Do you enjoy pain? Pain don't hurt. Don't suck these brains out. You like Huey Lewis on the news? Do you enjoy knives? Oh, yes. They want to know us so they can prove when someone asks you if you're a god, you say yes! That's all over the second we ride up Troy's bucket. Get them in the crosshairs. Your early work was a little too new wave for me. Like a guy that uses morons on the internet like this Troy and Emery who have no idea what they're talking about. Try again. Nobody ever wins a It's the random show with Troy and Emery. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Random Show with Troy and Emery. Hello. Hey, Emery. How you doing? Hey. How are you? Hey, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. That's, uh, that's a different voice for you to start off with. That's your, uh, have you been... It's my manly voice. That's nice. You, you kind of, your balls finally dropped a little bit, huh? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, that means I'm, that means I've just made it halfway through my... 24-ounce Bud Light that's riding shotgun with me for tonight's podcast. Oh, yes, the 24-ounce can of Bud Light. You are a fan of those. The bum can. I love I loved, uh, the 24-ounce Bud Light in, in the hobo can. The uh, the shrink-wrapped. Three of them. Yeah, you get three of them shrink-wrapped in a package for six bucks up, up the street at the gas station. So. Yeah, that's just too much hoppy goodness for me. I couldn't drink that much beer in one sitting. But uh, you have no problem. I have no problem because I get my drinking gene from my mother. Your mom, huh? <laughs> my mom, yeah. Was she a? Uh, could she do a keg stand in her day? In her day, if you mean her day this week. Of course, of course. But I'm actually, I was also imbibing in some spirits earlier. Vodka rocks. Yes, vodka rocks. That's exactly what I had. Um, I went out with a friend, and we went to the Firefly Bar. Have you ever been there? I've never been to the Firefly. No. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty cool bar. It kind of it's got like this goth uh, New Orleans kind of feel to it. You know, they've got a little area that's kind of like a library where they have like couches. Little area that's underwater. <laughs> uh, no, they they were the levees didn't break it in that part of the restaurant. So they were safe. Harry Connick Jr. is running around going, hey, who ordered all these crawfish? <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome if that would happen. And I don't, does Harry Connick Jr. hang out in L.A.? God, I hope not. I don't know. I think that would be awesome. I'm, I'm kind of a Harry Connick Jr. fan. I'm kind of a fan of his wife. T- what constitutes a Harry Connick Jr. fan? What do you have to like? Like cheap, watered-down, knockoff? Big band music? Piano, crooner. I mean, I do like that. I think more the novelty of the fact that, you know, here's this young, good-looking guy, you know, and he's trying to revive the whole... He's not young anymore, and he's not really that great-looking anymore. If I were to write a letter to Harry Connick Jr., it would go, Dear Harry Connick Jr., you are not black. Love, Emery. <laughs> wow. Short but sweet and to the point. Yeah. P.S. You were good in Memphis Bell, but not as good as Eric Stoltz. What was that movie he did about the shut-in? Who was it? Was it was it Holly Hunter or no? I don't know. He played the crazy psycho dude. Oh, Copycat. That's it. Copycat. Oh, that movie's yeah. awful. It was Sigourney Weaver's in that, right? That's it. It was Sigourney Weaver, yes. And she played like the shut-in. She was afraid to venture outside of her door. Yeah. Now you gotta admit he was pretty good in that movie. What? I, no, you slap a gold tooth on the guy and. <laughs> Give him a crew cut, and all of a sudden he's crazy. Come on, I don't buy it. 
That's true. But anyway, but the bar that this this Firefly bar that I went to, it kind of had that feel. It was kind of like it felt like the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean at Disneyland. You know that ride? And then they have the restaurant that's. That's my favorite ride of all time. Oh, it is awesome. But they have the restaurant that's right there, right when you get into the boats and before you go off and and do your pirate adventure, they have that restaurant. And I've always been fascinated by the people eating there, and I always thought, man, I would love to eat there. And it's weird. I have no idea how people get in there because the building that it's in, I just see the entrance to the Pirates of the Caribbean. And Are you a people watcher? I am. I do enjoy gazing at my fellow human beings mm-hmm. and um, usually just feeling superior to them and, and glad that I'm not in their shoes. But. Yeah. You know what's interesting? I've been I've been to Disneyland probably five times. I've been to Disney World seven or eight times, give or take. I've never eaten anything remotely good at either place. And I mean, if you put all those chips together, I'd say I've probably taken in upwards of forty meals in the Disneyland or in the Disney theme parks. I've never eaten anything that resembled good food. Well, do you just eat at like the like the little cafeteria style concession? I've I've eaten at all sorts of of the I've eaten at all the restaurants at the you know the the counter service places. It's never been good. <clears throat> Disney, if you ever one day pick up our show, I will immediately retract this statement. Your food's great. You know what is cool though? <laughs> the butters at Disneyland is shaped like Mickey Mouse. And I just think that's just awesome. Really? What would what would happen if you ordered the pancakes? You would get Mickey butter on top of a Mickey shaped pancake. That's overload. No. I mean nothing could be better. Yeah, so I've had a drink, so I think this podcast is going to be very – it's going to go well. It's going to be nice and lubricated. Well, it's its definitely interesting because the original idea for the podcast was to call it Cocktail Hour, where we actually did drink. You know, I forgot that. You actually came up with that um, that concept that we should uh, yeah. have a drink and just whatever came out of our mouths after imbibing a few. It was kind of going to be a uh, – it was, it was going to be a kind of homage to, you know, Rat Pack – kind of a lounge Vegas thing, but then you said you wanted to play all this Harry Connick Jr. music during the show, and I mixed it all together. Well, you know what? The other problem with um, the cocktail hour as a name, it doesn't have the word Troy in it, so that just wouldn't work. That is your – I think that's in your contract. What did you think of the new opening theme, that custom theme now that we got from Champions of the Universe, which I want to thank them very much for? I dig it. I, I dig it as well. I think it's pretty cool. I hope all our listeners dig it. If you do, please drop us a line saying whether you like it or not. I think that's going to be our semi-permanent opening theme, unless uh, people just hate it. But thanks, Champions of the Universe. They're actually very generous with the music and uh, letting us use their tunes royalty-free. They're champions, not kings. We were delayed a little bit with our this podcast because uh, of technical difficulty. And when I say technical difficulty, I mean... Emery's computer was on the blitz. What was going on there? I tried to freaking MacGyver my computer, and it I just made it worse. So uh, the delay in, in Episode 3 rests squarely on my strong shoulders, uh, for which I apologize. So uh, I was having problems with my iBook. Made an appointment to take it to the Genius Bar at uh, my local Apple store which is located in the mall next to my house. Have you ever been to the Genius Bar uh, to, to have your computer? 
I don't own an Apple computer. Oh, right, 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 right. I mean, I know what the Genius Bar is, but I haven't actually experienced it. I mean, I have gone into an Apple store because I do like to go in and, you know, check my Facebook account on their big iMacs and, and download porn. Because your your mood changes so often. Exactly, you know, and I have to update it. But no, I've no, I haven't personally experienced the Genius Bar. I have an iBook. I have an iBook and an iPod Touch because I'm a hipster fag. I have been to the Genius Bar a couple of times. The thing that always blows my mind is the phrase itself, Genius Bar, which in my eyes infers that it's a bar that has a bunch of geniuses working behind it. Right. With like monocles and, and, and a pipe. Motorized wheelchairs and, you know, speaking through vocoders. <laughs> and uh, so, <laughs> so, so I make my do? appointment. What, no, seriously, I, what would you do if you went to go take your computer into the Genius Bar and Stephen Hawking just like pulled up and said, what's the problem? What's the matter? Did you ever hear that story about Stephen Hawking visiting the set uh, when he did his cameo on Star Trek The Next Generation? No, I remember seeing that episode, but no, what's the story? Somebody, one of the producers was giving him a tour of the set and taking him around the set and saying, oh, here's the bridge and here's this thing. And they go to uh, to the to the teleporter. They go to, to the, the part of the set where the teleporters are and is, is saying, here's, you know, the famous place on the ship where they say, beam me up. And Stephen Hawking kind of like, flicks his eyes over to the the that part of the set and says, oh, yeah, I'm working on something like that. But since he speaks through the crazy vocoder, you can't really pick up if there's sarcasm in there. Right. So if Stephen Hawking had actually been behind the Genius Bar, I would have asked him, seriously, dude, are you working on being able to beam people from one place to another? Because gas is just, it's out there. So anyway, I get to the Genius Bar. Uh, I get to the Genius Bar, and usually when you walk into these Apple stores, you can't get the salespeople to leave you alone. You know, you're trying to check your Facebook status, and and they're they're just all over the place, like mosquitoes to a thing that attracts mosquitoes. Uh, but I couldn't I couldn't get any of these people to recognize me. Usually, there's a concierge there who says, "Are you finding everything okay?" And you say, "Yes, I have an appointment at the Genius Bar." And they kind of take you up there and, and let the geniuses working behind the bar know that you're there. But uh, as I, I was walking in the store, I noticed that everybody, all the salespeople were kind of clamored around this one guy. And I was like, what the heck is going on? And I kind of looked through the crowd and I saw that it was Joe Rogan, the stand-up comic uh, guy from Fear Factor. Yeah, fear is not a factor for you. Fear, yeah, fear does not factor into the story. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so he was in the he was in the Apple store. Yeah. It figures. I mean, hip, cool people buy apples. You know, shiny and new and twice as much as everything else. So of course, celebrities have to have their Apple products. He's also one of the lead commentators for UFC, and I'm a big UFC fan. So I was kind of a little bit starstruck for about 2.5 seconds. Was he surrounded by people? Did you did you try and go up? There was like the manager and the cashier and no, I don't really talk to I don't talk to famos really when I see them and you know we see our fair amount but unless the opportunity conveniently presents itself I don't go out of my way to be a moron and I had nothing really to talk to him about. 
It's it's funny that he was surrounded by Apple Store employees and not like regular people. Exactly. The the entire situation was very strange. I was making my way up to the Genius Bar, and as I was kind of peering over at Joe Rogan, I saw that his wife and or his girlfriend, I'm not really sure, was standing next to him. And what I presumed to be their young daughter was milling about this girl, his wife. Or girlfriend. Nine out of ten. She was a stunt. Yeah, she was she was heartbreakingly beautiful, which... I mean, I don't know, Joe Rogan? No, Joe Rogan's kind of a good-looking guy. He's, uh, you know, he's got a decent build about him. But, but you think he married up? You think he's, she's out of his league? He's on TV. I mean, TV, I mean, it, I mean, and, and, and if this woman was the mother of his child, which I would assume she was because she was doting around this young, uh, young girl, Man, did she bounce back from that post-pregnancy thing? I mean, because she had a body that mosquitoes are attracted to. All of it was, yeah. My spidey senses are tingling thinking about it. My si- my sister-in-law just had a baby, and I just want Shannon to shoot for the stars when it comes to getting that pre-pregnancy body back because this this gal did a fantastic job. And Joe Rogan, if you're out there, don't think that I was totally macking. Yeah, like peeing on your wife or anything. I mean, I just couldn't help it. She was there. <laughs> Don't beat me up because I know you know Judith. <laughs> Your sister-in-law is at a bit of a disadvantage because uh, you can't expect her to have a killer body like that because she's not married to a Joe Rogan type. I mean, your brother's cool and all, but my brother, I you know, I might he might not be a Joe Rogan, but he's at least a Dave Foley. You know what I mean? Okay, I will give him a Dave Foley, and <laughs> and he's a pretty decent football player too. So uh, I I will give him that. I, I put my bro up against Joe Rogan. Uh, yeah, so I, I got the computer up to the Genius Bar. They look at it. They say, we can fix it. It's going to be two or three days. I say, great. Hop in the car after fighting my way through the stupid mall, which I hate. Out of the parking garage, which is maze-like. Out in the 5 o'clock traffic. Get all the way home. Sit down on the couch. I'm ready to flip on some UFC to see my boyfriend, Joe Rogan. And as soon as I sit down, cell phone rings. It's the dude. It's the genius at the Mac store. And he says, hey, your computer's ready. Living up to his genius status. Yeah. status and uh, have to drive all back. Because I had work the next day. I couldn't pick it up. And I wanted to do the podcast before it uh, became grossly tardy. I want to give a shout out to all the, the genius people at the Apple Store Genius Bar for uh, enabling us to ha- get this podcast out, even though it's only going to you know, be a couple of days late, but who knows how late it would have been if you had to take it to, like, the Windows store. I agree. And then you probably would have had to, you know, their technical service people were probably the Down Syndrome's bar. So yeah. thanks. And it, and next time, if they really want to be starts, I'm going to wheel in Phil Hartman's corpse, <laughs> and they can crowd around that. And You know what? He had a hot wife, too. Yeah, who f- killed him. I know. I was gonna say it's a shame she uh, she was a homicidal bitch, but oh well. When it comes to hot chicks, when it comes to hot chicks, it's pretty much fifty-fifty whether or not they're cool or insane. Uh, Harry Connick Jr. has a hot wife too, by the way. She's a former um, model. What's the uh, Victoria's Secret model? So see if you if you're in a couple of movies and you have a halfway decent voice, you can get a model hot chick for a wife girlfriend. 
Who ordered all these crawfish? <laughs> Speaking of uh, people going off the handle, did you uh, hear about the Christian Bale situation? I did hear, yeah. The bailout? At Big news this week. Christian bailout? When, when, hey, when you say some people are calling it the bailout, did you come up with that and you're trying to get it to catch no, on? somebody, I forgot who actually called it the bailout, but <laughs> maybe I read that on, like, UrbanDictionary.com. Somebody was calling I don't know. That's kind of, you know, relevant. You know, we've got this economic bailout going on, and then we have, you know, Christian Slater just unleashing a torrent of F-bombs at his director of photography. Oh, Chris, Christian Bale. You said Christian Slater. Did I say Christian Slater? No, I didn't. You said Christian Slater. Wow. I must have uh, pump up the volume on the brain. Yeah. But um, Christian Bale just lost yeah. it on his director of photography on the set of Terminator 4. And uh, apparently he was – they were in the middle of a scene, and uh, the cameras were rolling, and this DP decided to tweak some lights. And apparently it's not his first time. I guess he's known as kind of a light tweaker. But Christian Bale was having none of it and uh, let loose on the guy. In fact, uh, we got a little sample here. So for those of you who haven't heard it, uh, this is not safe for work. So here we go. Kick your fucking ass! I want you off the fucking set, you prick! Now, don't just be sorry. Think for one fucking second. What the, the fuck are you doing? Are you professional or not? Yes, I am. Do I fucking walk around and rip down? No, shut the fuck up, Bruce. Do I want? No. No. Don't shut me up. Am I going to walk around and rip your fucking lights down in the middle of a scene? Then why the fuck are you walking right through? Ah, oh, da-da-da-da, like this in the background. What the fuck is it with you? What don't you fucking understand? You got any fucking idea about, hey, it's fucking distracting having somebody walking up behind Bryce in the middle of the fucking scene. Give me a fucking answer. What don't you get about it? I was looking at the light. Oh, good for you. And how was it? So, that's, uh, that was pretty unforgiving. Do you think it was justified? Yeah, yeah. I read the statistic today that said that he dropped the F-bomb once every 2.3 seconds for the duration of the of this clip. Wow. That's, uh, that's a lot of fucks. I mean, once again, do yeah. you think he had the right to do it, or do you think it was uncalled for? I, I err on the side of Bale in this particular instance. I don't think he's a prima donna actor. I don't think that he is full of himself the way uh, a lot of actors, Russell Crowe, are. <laughs> and uh, I just think that he's very intense. You know, he was obviously uh, really into the scene and, you know, trying to bring something to material that is most likely probably not that good. In his intensity, he had some some guy futzing around in the background, fixing a gel or, or trying to look important. And uh, it totally broke his concentration. It's not the first time it's happened, you know. There's that story about Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio on the set of uh, The Abyss when they were doing that really intense scene where Ed Harris is trying to bring her back to life and flipped out on some random crew member or something Wait, like that. That scene, she was just she was just laying there like a dead fish. What was so intense for her? I, I would have thought it was more intense for Ed Harris, but all she did was lay there while he was pumping on her naked chest and giving her mouth to mouth that's the most romantic scene in 
cinematic history, by the way, because he is bringing her back to life all the while slapping her in the face and calling her a bitch, which is pretty much like most of my masturbatory fantasies all rolled into one. I think that I think that is every woman's dream out there is to be um, drowned for 20 minutes and then brought back to life by uh, some guy slapping you around and thumping on your chest and calling you a fucking bitch and to wake up. It's true love. You're right. James Cameron is a master is a master of the romantic dialogue. I would 100% agree. <laughs> here's here's what I'm worried about actually when it comes to Bale. We've seen the wrath that he can can put on one person. We've seen the extent to which he can flip out. I mean, he said he was going to kick this dude's ass. He said he was going to walk off the movie if the, if this guy wasn't fired. Who leaked it? That's that's what I'm whoever was the guy who leaked this this uh, audio the tape yeah bale is coming for this guy like freaking guns and navarone man yeah it's i mean it's ball game if, if bale ever finds out who the putz was who who leaked this to tmz or or whoever initially picked up on it yeah it was tmz.com who uh got the tape and put it out on the internet for everyone's listening enjoyment but you're right i would be very worried that uh Christian Bale is going to show up. It's probably going to be the Christian Bale from American Psycho that shows up. So I hope he doesn't like Huey Lewis in the news, whoever that guy is. I'm still waiting. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm still waiting for someone to mash up his tirade with one of the songs he sings in Newsies, preferably Santa Fe. There, there are mashups already. I don't think it's to anything from Newsies. Yeah, I mean, I think Christian Bale was justified in being upset, but I don't know to the extent that he got, ex- uh, you know, went off on this guy Shane Hurlbut. I mean, it was a good five minutes that he was just going off, and I kept thinking, it's like, where's the director? What, what is McGee doing this whole time? You know, shouldn't he be controlling the director of photography and making sure he's not going into the set? I mean, I. You can hear McGee on the audio kind of apologizing to to Christian Bale. Yeah, no, he totally sounded like a pussy. He did, he did, and it was just like, oh, I'm sorry. He's probably storyboarding ideas for Charlie's Angels 3. Three? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I felt that uh, he should have taken control at some point and just gotten order back on the set and just continue on with the scene but christian bale like at one point i thought he was done but he just went off again and just unleashed on uh mr shane hurlbutt you know what the good news is is that if this actually was an emotional scene that he was doing that took his entire concentration we can dispel the rumor that christian bale is actually playing a terminator in this movie seeing as though terminators do not have actual emotions yeah, that's right. What kind of emotional scene can there be in an actual Terminator movie? There's not a whole lot of uh, pulling on the heartstrings, as far as I know, in most Terminator movies. But who knows? Maybe Christian Bale, you know, he is he's quite a diverse, diversified actor, and maybe he's been able to channel something in John Connor's character that nobody else has. Enough, <laughs> I mean, and this is all ancient history anyway. I mean, this took place last summer when they were still in principal photography. So we'll see if Christian Bale decides to make any appearances on any uh, morning talk shows to uh, do his own spin on this. I think it would be good for him. Well, he did He did appear on Kevin and Bean. He was on Kevin and Bean uh, this morning or yesterday morning, and I saw the transcript from the interview. 
it was a really humble, uh, self-deprecating apology that he gave, and it seemed sincere on the... He did apologize? He did, yeah. On, on, on the ser- He's a great actor, so you never really know how sincere he is, but I'm seriously telling you, dude, if the guy who leaked the audio is listening right now, get out of the country, man. Because it's it's over. Patrick Bateman, Batman. Yes, the little kid from Empire the Sun. Kid from Empire the Sun. Coming after your ass, so you're done. Don't ever. You better pray. It's gonna be ugly. That he doesn't find out. He's fucking through with you professionally. <laughs> <laughs> if you found out the name of the guy who leaked it, would you give that information to Christian Bale? Would you be like, hey man? Guess what? I know who did that. I know who put your trade all over the internet. Yeah, I, I t- totally want Christian Bale to owe me a favor. That would be the greatest favor I could possibly call it. I mean, you know you know my theory about the upper hand. I love having the upper hand on people, and that would give me the upper hand on Christian Bale, and I could call him in to, to help me move or, or something like that. It would be great. If you could have the upper <laughs> hand on Batman, that, that would be the ultimate trump card. Maybe we'll have to do some research to see if we can figure out who that guy was. Moving on, I want to talk a little bit about the Thor movie coming up. How do, how do you feel about <laughs> Thor? I, you were a big fan of Iron Man last summer. Loved Iron Man. And now Marvel's really pumping up their – well, they're they're really pumping up their superhero movies now that they are producing them on their own. Apparently, Kenneth Branagh, who did Henry V and Much Ado About Nothing and – Hamlet is going to be directing the Thor movie, which to me seems a little unusual. He says he gets Thor, and uh, that you know he's he's got something to bring to the character. What do you think of that? Are you a Thor fan? I dig the choice. You do? Yes, I do. I'm I'm a I'm a huge fan of the character. I'm a big fan of Branagh, even though technically and publicly I have stated that I enjoy Mel Gibson's version version of Hamlet better than. Branagh's. Uh, I love the choice of director. I am 100% behind you in regards to the the Franco Zeffirelli, Mel Gibson version of Hamlet being far superior to Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet. Although our my former roommate, your current roommate, Matt Easton, would disagree. He believes that that Kenneth Branagh version of Hamlet is the He best. would disagree because Branagh included the entire text of the actual play the thing I like about Mel Gibson's Hamlet is that it's almost like a super cool Cliff's Notes of the original text, and it's awesome, and he has a totally sweet beard that <laughs> Russell Crowe, the douche, ripped off in his portrayal of General Maximus and Gladiator. I don't really need to go there right now. Uh, <laughs> no. no, but uh, the, the, the hot-button issue I'm thinking about is Thor casting – uh, Daniel Craig came out publicly and said that he would not accept the role if offered to him, which I thought was kind of a brash, kind of egotistical. Was his name thrown out there for Thor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For those listeners who aren't familiar with Thor, he's um, he's a Marvel superhero who's actually a Norse god. He's the Norse god of thunder. And in the comic books, he's portrayed like, you know, he's this big, beefy uh blonde he, he's got these long blonde locks and he wears this you know silver helmet that has feathers on it 
and he carries around this big hammer, mallet, kind of, and he speaks with, you know, in a traditional Norse, English, thous, and those kind of... And I just wouldn't think that uh, Daniel Craig would would fit that. That's kind of... That, that image of Thor is kind of even the Thor, the traditional image of Thor. I think that the Avengers movie that they're eventually going to end up at, I hope at least, is going to be... Uh, representative of the Ultimates, uh, Ultimates 1 and 2, mm-hmm. which were genius beyond belief. If you haven't read them, do yourself a favor. Go out and read Ultimates 1 and 2. Yes, fantastic, fantastic reads. Thor is kind of portrayed as this almost cult-like, clairvoyant, maybe. You you, you, you never really know. He's kind of weird. Hippie-centric, kind of a hippie, exactly. But he's still very beefy, big. He's he's like built like a like a wrestler. So so who's your casting choice? My casting choice. It, I'm not the first one to say it. Uh, it has been thrown out there. My casting choice, Kevin McKidd, who you might remember from Rome, the HBO miniseries. Farther farther back in his career, he. I never saw a single episode of Rome, so I'm unfamiliar with this guy. But. I mean, is he big? Is he beefy? Oh, Rome was Rome was great. If you ever get the chance, check it out. If yeah, way back in his career, he played Tommy in Train Spotting. Oh, okay. That was uh, obviously when he was really young. But uh, yeah, he's big. He was recently on an NBC uh, ep- episodic drama. I think it was called Journeyman. Yes, yes. He was the played the lead character, and I he he'd be perfect. He's a little bit. You know, of an unheralded, lesser-known actor, I think he'd be a great Thor. So yeah, I mean, it, Kenneth Branagh, it's it's an unusual choice um, since he's more into heady things than Shakespearean. But uh, bottom line for me is, I love what Marvel is doing with where they're taking their properties, where they're getting really talented people to uh, really take creative control. With Joe Johnston being attached to the Captain America movie. And I think they're beating the pants off of DC. I think it's a really great choice. Uh, I think that Marvel is totally doing the right thing by attaching really creative people to these properties that are all seem to be heading towards a, a great big huge Avengers movie. I think uh, DC is really getting schooled in, in the ways of movie making. And I just read this week that they, no pun intended, greenlit the Green Lantern movie they're they're uh they're reaching i think i i mean you're right dc is getting their um asses handed to them from marvel which you know dc seemed to lead the pack with the superhero movies like with the original superman and then the batman before the reboot but they can't seem to get anything straight i mean the superman franchise seems to be stalled and uh, who knows what's going on with that the justice league movie that they were they had uh, put George Miller attached to direct it, but then that has stalled. Thank God. Oh, I think that would have been a decent movie. But I think they need to get the Superman franchise restarted before they can do anything else. I mean, I might be excited to see a Green Lantern movie. Moriarty on AinItCoolNews.com wrote an incredibly compelling argument a number of months ago, so you would have to go to AinItCool and search for this article that – argued that the reboot, if there is one, of the Superman franchise should be directed by the Coen brothers. And 
I had the exact same reaction that you are having right now when I first heard the idea. Go to AinItCoolNews.com, search for Moriarty's article about the Coen brothers directing a new super, Superman movie. You might be convinced. I would just be, you know, if they were to direct a Superman movie, I can just see a disclaimer at the beginning of it saying, the events in this movie are based on a true story. And then at the end of it, they would probably say, all the characters in this movie are fictional. And then Superman not using his heat vision and just putting Lex Luthor into a wood chipper? And using that bolt thing, too. <laughs> uh, that would be Lex Luthor's secret weapon, is the the bolt uh, pneumatic bolt cow killer. It, c- it could happen. I mean, stranger things have happened. But let's move on. And uh, I did want to talk a little bit. Oh, shoot. I lost my article. Did you have something real quick? I got to bring up this. Yeah, no, I just, Michael Phelps and his bong. The, his, I mean, it's been the week of things that have leaked onto the Internet that put uber-famous people in completely compromising situations. I feel sorry for Christian Bale. I've made that known. I do not feel sorry for Michael Phelps because, A, I think he's a douche. B, I've always thought he was kind of a douche. C, he's kind of got just a weird-looking face. He, you know, brought us some glory during the Olympics. I mean, what was it, seven gold medals in swimming? I mean, that's something you're – we're supposed to rally around that. You should be feeling jingoistic and, you know, USA, USA. In in swimming, in swimming. (laughs) What do you have against swimmers? I'm going to steal this bit from my brother. Basically, the reason Olympic swimming is the most ridiculous competitive sport on the face of the planet is that there are so many different styles of swimming, and only one of them is the fastest way to actually swim. So why why are there all these different strokes in swimming competitions where there's the butterfly and the backstroke and the breaststroke? And really, the fastest way to to get through water as far as physics and and anything else is concerned is the freestyle. So there should be one swimming event. It's freestyle swimming. None of this medley or relay or anything like that. Technically, that's not even the fastest way to get through the water. The fastest way is to sit in a boat with an outboard motor and just... You're exactly right. But, but I mean, when it comes to swimming, what what does Michael Phelps feel good about when he holds up his gold medal for the backstroke? He I, I, he holds his gold medal and says, hey, I'm the fastest guy in the whole entire world swimming a stroke that is not even as fast as another stroke. It's ridiculous. and It takes different strokes to make the world go round. It makes different strokes to stand in a frat house and put your face on a bong like you're suck-starting a freaking muffler. So other than the fact that you, you don't dig swimming as an Olympic sport and – you don't like Michael Phelps because of that. But do you, you know, the fact that there's a picture of him, you know, taking a huge hit off of a bong, I don't even know if it's a public outcry. It seems like there's a lot of people rallying behind him. And then he, I just read he got suspended from swimming for three months. Is it a big deal? Because I really don't think it is. It's totally a big deal to me because I will never win a gold medal. I will never be sponsored by Kellogg's or Subway or whatever Swiss watch company has given him a boatload of money. But if I ever was sponsored by any of those companies and they gave me the stipulation that they were going to give me billions and billions of dollars to live 
the rest of my life in complete and total comfort and happiness. All I had to do was not be a jackass and find myself snapped on a Nokia camera phone by some 16-year-old girl whose parents' house I was at on the weekend because they were in upstate New York hunting for truffles with hogs. I would try to abide by that clause in the contract and say, I will not, but he didn't, and his face is stupid. I, I blame this all on, like you said, camera phones. I don't think uh, – camera phones and TMZ.com. If we could uh, get rid of one or the other, I think celebrities would be you know, perfectly fine. Or You know, I, I've got a theory that celebrities, you know, they kind of rail against paparazzis and say, oh, you know, we hate them. It's an invasion of privacy. But I think secretly deep down they kind of dig the paparazzi. They kind of dig the attention, and they're just kind of poo-pooing it and railing against them because it's it's the celebrity thing to do. But, you know, if I was famous, I'd want people taking my picture. I'd want people coming up to me and asking, you know, hey, what are you doing in that store? And what did you think of the latest Lost episode? I mean, they're, they're just trying to be friendly and engage in conversation and take my picture. I mean, how is that different from your Aunt Flo at the, you know, at Christmas time? I mean, they're really no different from that. I don't have an Aunt Flo. I have an Aunt Kathy, and I've never seen her take a picture of anything, actually. My family is the worst bunch of documentarians that ever walked the face of the earth. There, There's not really good photographic evidence of my existence up to this point, actually, <laughs> which kind of makes me bad sometimes. My Uncle Rich, Aunt Kathy's husband was the handicam guy for 10 years and he had the like one of the first JVC shoulder you know VHS where you put the VHS into the camera it might have even been beta yes I mean it's like the size of a bazooka yeah so you got this bazooka and and he did the plays and the musical you know work until uh mini cams came into play and and I think he finally decided that he wanted to get on the other side of the camera and act a little bit so uh but as far as my family is concerned no there's not a lot of the taking of photos my sister takes a lot of photos herself with her lips pooched out and puts them <laughs> on her mice well in my family it's the exact opposite especially my brother john he will he loves to document every single moment of anything that's going on i mean there are endless hours of me moving which i do quite a bit and he's got just tons of pictures of me sleeping, cats on my head. He just loves to document, you know, anything there is. I mean, he loves his camera, and he carries it around with him all the time. His video, he uses his regular di digital camera, but he uses a video on that. So you don't even know you're being uh, taped half the time because you think he's just carrying around his camera, and he's not, you know, sitting there snapping pictures, but he's got it on the record function, so you're going on, you know, this mundane conversation commenting on the Housewives of Atlanta, and he's recording the whole thing, and the next thing you know, you're on YouTube. At, at what point does candid end and voyeuristic begin in that situation? Oh, there is no line uh, for my brother. It, it's all legitimate. There, It's just... As long as the so red the light... show that Alan Bunt hosted could have been called Voyeuristic Camera. Is that? Did you ever watch the show? Did you ever see? Oh yeah. They've got people in their most intimate moments at restaurants sticking steaks in their mouths, and then I remember seeing. I don't know if this was on HBO, but I saw in. X-rated candid camera that was actually had Alan Funt and he was on it, and they were doing. They were putting steaks in their mouths with 
no tops on and they would have nude women walk into an elevator you know and just get the reaction on people's faces and this was still like during the you know 60s and 70s that sounds very your i know and i thought how come i never saw this on nbc that's the candid camera that i want to see they they should have a can a camera in people's bedrooms while they're having sex and just have some you know stranger walk through offer to sell them condoms i think chuck berry had that idea a few years ago and he got in trouble for it <laughs> i think you're right but my brother he does definitely does love to document as much as he can and uh i don't know i don't know why your family's not like that i mean i think we're lazy uh my my, my grandfather uh he he would record a lot of audio he would set up a tape recorder and uh record conversations almost like nixon style where he would just set a tape recorder and have the kids talk and a few years later we would go back and listen to him and it would always be hilarious and uh we're in possession of this one audio tape of my grandfather trying to get my two and a half year old older brother to sing jesus loves me and a testament to my grandmother's character my grandmother norma jones who songs have been written about and novels have been written about the the strength and and purity of her character my grand, you can hear my grandmother in the background as my brother, as a two-year-old, two and a half-year-old, is trying to sing "Jesus Loves Me." Go, Lee, get your act together. You know the words. Wow. And it's it's just a great, you know. So I mean, I guess as far as documentarians, it, it kind of went the wayside when my grandfather passed away because he was the audio guy. But no, no not a lot of photographic evidence of yeah. my life. So a lot of audio, not much photographs or video that's a little bit that's a commentary on the general physical appearance of your family if you ask me yeah if i if i died tomorrow the vestibule at the funeral home where my funeral would take place would be very drab hey are you a stephanie meyer fan do you do you like the do you like to read her romance novels I was just basically asking if you were a 14-year-old girl. I am the opposite of a Stephanie Meyer. You're the opposite of that? I I, I'm, I think I am. Well, that's good to know. 14-year-old boy, maybe. <laughs> well, I read a, a kind of amusing thing where uh, Stephen King... Ooh, yeah. Did you read that where he says uh, Stephanie Meyer, the Twilight Arthur, is not very good? I did. I did read that, yes. And he praised J.K. Rowling and saying that she's a terrific writer, but Stephanie Meyer is just, I guess she writes drivel. You know, I'm not exactly sure if that's more jealousy on Stephen King's part because, you know, Stephanie Meyer actually sells books and he doesn't. I don't think it's jealousy at all, no, because I read Stephen King's column that he writes for Entertainment Weekly, and he likes really awful stuff. Dude does not have discerning taste whatsoever. Uh, he's always writing about how much he likes J.D. Robb and uh, all of these pulpy, have a new book out every month, mystery writers. I don't think that he has. he's very hard to impress. And if you remember, he was the one who gave the first blurb to Sam Raimi for a little movie called Evil Dead, which got them a distribution. He said something about it was the scariest movie ever or the scariest thing he's seen. And uh, that pretty much launched. It, I, I don't. I do not think that he has great taste. So <laughs> I, I gotta take it. I gotta take the guy's word that I don't know. Maybe it's because she's Mormon that he's got this 
got this vendetta against her. I don't want to speak for Mr. King, but if he was not, uh, against Prop 8, then uh, I, I got to say that maybe it's politically motivated. You know who else was against Prop 8? Jeff Kent. No, he was for Prop 8. I'm sorry. Uh, they just released the names of all the donors who gave to the Proposition 8 campaign. That's totally something that that fucking asshole would do. Like, come on. <laughs> and he lived. He he played in San Francisco for like nine years. Yeah, the Prop 8 uh, proponents were very, I guess, happy to take his money, and he was very happy to give it. And for <laughs> those of you who don't live in California, Proposition 8 was uh, a statute that, the people in California were trying – well, did pass, but it was to overturn the gay marriage and same-sex marriage that the Supreme Court upheld in California. And so uh, Proposition 8 did pass, even though there was a lot of controversy around that. And and for those of you who don't live in California, Jeff Kent was a uh, baseball player who played for the San Francisco Giants and later the Houston Astros and even later the Los Angeles Dodgers who gave money to uh, support Prop 8. But ironically, he has the gayest mustache in all of baseball history. And he's generally an all-around asshole. I don't know. That's all I've got for this week, Emery. You got anything else? I just wanted to uh, really quick uh, address the Super Bowl bet. I, I submit... I, I lost both the actual bet and the prop bet. Yeah, I didn't want to actually bring that up. You know, I, I wanted to have you save some face, but yes, you did lose um, both the bets. I owe you uh, Godfather Part Three and any which was it any which way but loose? Yes, every which way but loose. So, do you think maybe you can find that in a uh, double pack at Walmart or something? I am a going to pack, the shelves at the Kmart that is closing which is right next to the Albertsons that is closing, which is in the same shopping center with the Circuit City that is closing. So I think I will be able to find them. Yes, at 75% off, no less. What what did you think of the Super Bowl? I thought it was a great game that was poorly officiated. I thought the commercials were pretty sucky. Not a lot of, you know, nothing stands out in the mind. Well, what about the trailers, the uh, the movie trailers coming out that they had in the Super Bowl? So I just want to get your opinion of, of the movie trailers, whether okay. they made you want to see them or not. So let's say first I think there was the G.I. Joe. What, what did you think of that? No. You don't want to see it? I, I just feel bad for all those, all those people involved. It looks so ridiculously awful. From the man who brought you Van Helsing, it's terrible. Yes. It's, it's got Storm Shadow, so I'm probably going to give it a, a look. Okay, then there was Transformers 2, The Revenge of the Fallen. Terrible name, by the way. Terrible From the name. makers of a movie that didn't really make sense comes a sequel that isn't going to make even less sense. That's what I got. Okay. And then we had Land of the Lost, which I was actually looking forward to until I saw the trailer. What did you think of that? It doesn't seem right to me. When I watched the trailer, it was this fully realized actual land of the lost, and I wanted there to be a plywood backdrop and, like, a rock and a palm tree. And a hand puppet for a dinosaur? Exactly. I'm kind of upset that they're making it a comedy and not taking it seriously. I think it would have been a much better movie if they would have taken it seriously. I agree. It would have been better than Jurassic Park 3. Um... 
what else? There was Up, the new Pixar movie. What do you think of that? I have made it a rule in my life for the last five or six years probably not to see any Pixar movies because I want to be able to watch them with younger Emory generations and enjoy them upon first viewing with a child. If that's corny, then throw me in corny jail. <laughs> Wait, so you only want to see Pixar movies with, like, your progeny? You don't? No, I want to watch Pixar. I want to watch Pixar movies with with uh, children, and since I don't know a lot of children or children that it would be okay for me to take to a movie in a non-illegal way, Michael Jackson kind of way, yeah, exactly. I I, I like I like to watch children's movies with children, uh, and I look forward to being able to to watch all of the Pixar movies I've missed with either my nephew or... Which Pixar movies have you Have you seen any? The last Pixar movie I saw was Finding Nemo, and I actually watched that with my sister-in-law's sister's son, which would make him nothing to me. But watching him enjoy the movie was almost as enjoyable, probably even more enjoyable than the movie itself. And when I experienced that, I was like, all right, from now on I'm just watching kids' movies when there are kids in the room so i'm saving all of my kids movies maybe when up comes out we'll go to china and adopt you a little chinese girl and you can watch it with her and she'll you'll have her solely so you can watch pixar movies like when the adoption agency says hey why do you want this kid you can put so i so i can watch pixar movies see we can go see it with your daughter or somebody like that and it'll be awesome the only other trailer i cared well there was year one with michael Cera and jack black but that looks terrible. That's Harold Ramis' passion project. I don't know what happened to his his passion. Looks rather flaccid. I do not want to see it. I mean, you saw the trailer. It was it seemed pretty funny, and it's Michael Cera doing his usual stick, and it's Jack Black doing his usual thing. So, I mean, I've seen all those movies before, which are both hilarious. I mean, and then uh, Star Trek. They had a new clip for that, and I'm really jazzed about Star Trek. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say I've got a huge boner for this Star Trek movie. I am a moderate to to Ensign-level Trekkie. I'm more of a Trekker than a Trekkie, honestly. I'm not a big J.J. Abrams fan. I don't really – I never watched his television shows, per se. I think his movies have been hit or miss, the ones that he's been involved with. But uh, I've, I'm super jazzed for Star Trek. Oh, I, I can't wait to see it. And um, speaking of Trekkers and Trekkies, did you see they're finally releasing Fanboy? Fanboys, yeah, which I think is super great. It's been years and years and years in the making. This guy, Ernie Klein, uh, wrote the script. I don't know if you're familiar with this guy, but he is is almost like a monologuist, and a bunch of his monologues are on YouTube. If you go to YouTube and search Ernie Klein with a C, you can see some of his live monologues, almost like a Spalding Gray sort of guy, and, and actually a lot of people have gone and, and done animations to his monologues, but he wrote this script years ago, almost after, right after episode one came out. There are all these protests and, and letter-writing campaigns to the to the uh, distributor about them not releasing it, and it's finally been released, and uh, I don't know if it's any good. I've, I've read good and bad things about it, but it's just kind of a victory for the uh, for the nerds, and I always feel directly benefited because nerds ever win anything at all, actually. <laughs> it's more of a symbolic victory. It's more of a ferric victory. I'll give it to him, and I mean, I'm glad it's out, and I will probably... Well, I like I like this guy's monologues. I like the idea behind the movie, and uh, this guy, Ernie Klein, he also wrote a spec script that he, he 
stole my idea before I even knew it was my idea where he wrote the spec script for uh, Buckaroo Banzai versus the World Crime League, which if uh, Troy knows that The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eight Dimension is one of my favorite films of all time. And at the uh, at the very end of the credits of that film, they allude to a sequel called Buckaroo Banzai versus the World Crime League, and it, they never made it for a number of reasons. But Ernie Klein uh, wrote a piece of fan fiction, I guess, or a spec script for that film, and he published it on the Internet. And if you get a chance, read it, because it's really awesome. Is it good? Yeah. No, it's good. Would you still have Peter Weller in it? I would have Peter Weller be the narrator slash RoboCop. Nice. I... <sighs> Come with me. <laughs> yeah, I think we're going to call that a week. Yeah, good podcast. I'm glad we finally got it done. Thanks again, Emery, for chiming in with your insightful uh, anecdotes and stories. And I want to thank everybody else for listening to another edition. And also, I still want to remind everyone that uh, you can subscribe to our podcast in iTunes and you can leave us a review. Um, we've already got one very nice review. Five stars. Thanks, John, who's my brother. I, uh, we appreciate that. <laughs> but please, everybody else, uh, leave a review. You know, rate us with stars. You don't have to write anything, but just rate us. And uh, you can also um, leave us uh, comments and feedback or talk back at the website, which is www.therandomtroyshow.wordpress.com. And uh, you can leave uh, comments there, or you can email Emery or myself. And uh, if you have any stories that you want us to talk about or have any suggestions, please do so there. Until next week, then, Emery. Thank you, Troy. Joe Rogan's wife will be on in tonight when I go to sleep. And that's another show. Peace out, everyone. Don't say peace out. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Random Show with Troy and Emery. Please visit our webpage at www.randomtroyshow.wordpress.com where you can find our contact information and download past episodes. You can also listen to the podcast by subscribing in iTunes. Music for The Random Show with Troy and Emery by Champions of the Universe. This has been a Without Borders production. Do you want me to go fucking trash your lights? Do you want me to fucking trash them? Fuck! And what the fuck is it with you? I was looking at the lights. Fuck!
Yeah, and you and me, we're fucking done professionally. Fucking ass.